P-S-N-Y. This is episode 122 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, XL Media, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Max, if you're ever in a story, you got to check out Rivercrest NYC. It's my cousin's bar. It's awesome. Um, and if you mention that you know me, she'll hook you up real well. Um, this is actually technically your second time on the podcast. Uh, first time meeting Allison. And First and foremost, I just have to say thank you for helping me out with that project over the uh, spring semester last year because I got an A on it. So I got a good grade in the class. So that's great. I'm glad. <laughs> the first time with Allison this time, though, it's a lot more fun when Allison's around. Okay. We I'm try. We tr- <laughs> you know, we, we try to talk casual, of course, but, you know, yeah. we pick it up too. And of course, I'm wearing my Cowboys hat. I'm sorry, everyone, but it's cold up here in Syracuse. So. I got to do what I got to do. Yeah, of course, we're, we're splitting Allison's attention with the Syracuse game. And she's always talking about the Cowboys on a Yankees podcast, which I guess plays to the fan base, technically speaking. Uh, take it off. Even, take even it though off. they're from Dallas, uh, you know. I almost, went to, I almost went to Syracuse. Fun fact. Really? Great broadcasting school up there. Great yeah. just sports media in general. Syracuse, yeah. Northwestern, like those are the places to go. Oh, that's, that's where I went, Northwestern. Yep. So. Awesome. Right. Yes. No, I am in Syracuse and basketball team's not doing so great. So I'd rather talk baseball today. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know what the, the sports culture at Northwestern is like for like college sports, but I know, I mean, I went to school upstate at Geneseo and just that entire area, since they don't have a real, like there's no NBA team there. There's no MLB team there. It's just everything you could imagine is Syracuse orange, everything, gas stations everywhere. Well, you get like two hours outside of Bill's country. And, and the only sport that exists is Syracuse football and basketball. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern has all the Chicago sports pretty close. So uh, that's, that's definitely a factor. Like when the Cubs were going to the world series and, and when they won that, a lot of us went down to Wrigleyville, that kind of thing. Um, at Northwestern's very hit or miss with sports as well. Usually the latter in terms of how competitive they are on the big 10. So, you know, if you're a diehard fan, you, you support it, but it's not as prevalent as I'm assuming like a state school would be or, or Syracuse or anything like that. Yeah. Lunatics up there. Absolute lunatics. Allison included. And we're proud of it. All right. Well, we got just, I know we said we were going to keep it light, but you know, first question is something that we kind of went over last time you were on, but you know, this is going to be we're your third year. On the Yankees beat, that's all, all exciting stuff. And we just wanted to talk about, you know, just getting through it with the pandemic and, and you know, what you're looking forward to this year, if you're going to get a little more access this year, which we're hoping for. Yeah, it's it's funny. Whenever I come on podcasts like this, I always think of, like, my journey to this point because I know it's usually a, a question that I'll be asked. And I was reminded today that I have yet to really cover a, a normal day on a, a major league beat since I, since I graduated and got this gig, you know, I'm very, I'm very grateful to be in this position in general. So obviously I want to preface with that, but yeah, I started fall of 2019, got to spring training in in February of 2020 and within a couple of weeks, everything kind of went crazy and it's been really, uh, 
challenging and, and unique ever since. But like I said, really, really blessed and, and happy to be in this position, uh, learning so much every day. And like you said, hopefully this year is with a little more of, of normalcy sprinkled in. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll get clubhouse access, but at, at least if we're on the field and, and slowly increasing that kind of thing, I, I, I can't complain. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think has really been missing because, you know, our favorite article, I know my favorite article, I think Allison has confirmed that this is her favorite article as well, came from Lindsay Adler just asking about the Madden Football League and, and that, you know, Yankees Madden League. That was the best article I think that was written all year for the Yankees back when you had clubhouse access and you just, you can't get that in the zoom room. You can't get it. Right. I mean, for me, I've yet to meet a lot of players in person to this point, And I've been now on the beat for like, you know, two plus years. So part of that comes down to me putting myself out there and introducing myself to people on the field, which I've been able to do, but it's not the same, you know, you can't go up to someone's locker and just, just chat and get to know someone when they're, coming off the field from batting practice with only a couple hours to go until game time. It's a very different dynamic. Um, but Lindsay is definitely one of the best at, at really, you know, reading a room and, and getting to know the players and getting those, those scoops and inside looks. So she's, she's great at that. Yeah. And like, I mean, like you mentioned that kind of like personal touch, I mean, like getting to actually, you know, talk to the players casually, get to know them a little bit more. Like when you see them in the zoom room, it's literally just, you know, the basic questions about what happened during the game, you know, what did you feel about this uh, decision that Aaron Boone made things like that. But having that personal touch is just, it's my favorite part personally, but I'm sure, you know, you guys as writers all appreciate that too. Right. And the other thing about the Zooms, which I think is different per organization, like I run the Jets site for for SI as well. So I listen into those press conferences all the time and they have it on Zoom where it's like a popcorn type of thing, like a scrum where you don't get called on. But for us on the Yankees beat, you have to raise your hand on Zoom and then get called on. So the immediacy of a certain question that you might hear in another Zoom or another regular press conference where a player says something and you immediately want to follow up on it or just explore that comment a little bit more. It's not the same when three minutes later, you finally get called on, you want to circle back. So it's all those different dynamics. And yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting team with a, a diverse coaching staff and player base and all these stories that aren't being told. I think that every big league team, it's like a disservice, you know, to the, to the fan. I know we're all dealing with the pandemic and, it's very different nowadays, but I think that that needs to come back soon, hopefully. Yeah, and actually, uh, now that you mentioned the Jets beat, you probably know our former boss, Robbie Sabo. He was on the Jets beat for a while, too, for ESNY, and we were actually pretty close to getting some partial passes for the Yankees press access before the pandemic hit. And I, I even went so far as to, I was working downtown in the city at the time. I even went so far as to get an apartment in Harlem and, and move off of Long Island. So I was like, I'm just... You know, if I'm trying to like go up, to, I got to work all day and I go go up to Yankee Stadium. Then I got to like drive back to Long Island and drive myself crazy. Uh, and obviously, since the pandemic happened, that pretty much just went out the window. Um, but, you know, we also it, I feel like we've gotten a little bit more of, of players showing themselves off by themselves on social media and just taking it upon themselves to say, you know what, like we don't have the same press coverage that we used to have. So. A guy like Marcus Stroman, especially, I feel like he's been a, a lot more active on social media over the last couple of years, just because, you know, he wants to talk, he wants to interact with people. And, you know, there's other people uh, like Trevor Bauer who maybe do it a little too often. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's different 
but it's, it's not quite the same as when you get that, you know, offhanded comment, you know, Clint Frazier offhandedly mentions that Brett Gardner loves pranking him and Tyler Wade. Like you're not going to get that in a zoom meeting. And that's, you know, our favorite part. We make a lot of jokes about Brett Gardner pranks on this podcast. So Allison is kind of the foremost authority on Brett Gardner in Yankee land. Right. I, yes. I think I knew that. I've, I've seen that on social media. <laughs> yep. That's me. I mean, and <laughs> even talking about, you know, players on social media and such, I mean, I'm sure for you guys, it's fun to see them, you know, talk on social media. It's fun for us as fans, but like, do you ever come up with stories based on social media and things that you see players say, or like comments that they make all the time? Yeah. I, I'm constantly, you know, if, if, uh, Jameson Tyone was on that John Boy Media podcast today, right? So I'll have to listen back and see if he gives an update on his his injury or whatever he's up to this offseason. That could turn into an article on my site. So that's that's definitely a, a staple in in covering any sport. I think nowadays that fan podcasts and radio shows and all that stuff. That's just another outlet for these players to you know, give legitimate updates that you would hear in a normal press conference or in a clubhouse or locker room, but also those off the beaten path types of, of stories and notes that could turn into something else down the road. Yeah. Now you mentioned Jameson Tyone too. I actually, you know, mentioning the lockout as well as a little bit of a transition here. I didn't even realize when the lockout went into effect that a guy like Jameson Tyone wouldn't be allowed to work with the Yankees doctors anymore. And that's you know something that, you know, in December you're thinking whatever, like, the spring training doesn't start until February. We're going to be locked out for a while. We'll figure it out. We'll get it done in time. And then you kind of realize like, hold on a second. Like every player who's recovering from an injury is now basically on their own. They're completely on their own. So it feels like maybe we should have rushed this a little bit. Maybe we should have gotten a deal in place a little bit sooner and worked that out. I know we finally have a meeting on the books, which was the whole other thing. It's been like over a month since the lockout started. And we finally just have a meeting on the books you seeing this coming to an end anytime soon? <laughs> I certainly hope so. I think a lot of us hope so. Everybody hopes so. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's a testament to the different types of, of challenges that a lockout presents. A challenge for fans not getting to see games potentially or at least hear the, the hot stove news coming out throughout the winter. But it's it's big for the players too. It's big for the coaches. I mean, Aaron Boone was talking about how he usually is in touch closely with the players and – and checking in with them and their families, but also talking shop and, and making plans for the season, checking in on their development. And they can't do that right now. So, you know, maybe it's not as much of a blow for the really good teams in baseball who have their established players and their core that, you know, they're going to take care of business in the off season and go out and produce in the spring. But for a, I don't know, a, a team on the fence in terms of contention or a rebuilding team where the coaching staff is really instrumental in that evolution of young players. Obviously, this doesn't include non 40 man guys, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean, it, it affects everybody and the injured guys, too. I mean, you'd like to think they can get the proper treatment and, and help that they need from third party individuals. But who knows? I mean, not everybody is as fortunate as as some, you know, so. Hey, you get a guy like Glaber Torres who, you know, he's coming off a, a rough year and, and maybe even a guy like Aaron Hicks. I don't know what his 40 man status is now because of the long injury. I don't know if they're allowed to talk to him because of all the time he spent on the IL, but no. I, even, you know, how do you get a read on how they're coming back? How do you, you know, build your team looking forward and saying, well, 
do we know how Glaber looks? Do we, do we know what he's working on this off season? Do we know what Aaron Hicks is working on? Do we know how healthy he is? You just, you have no idea. And now, you know, the way it's shaping up, it's going to be kind of a mad dash with the rest of free agency guys like Carlos Correa. And, and obviously Matt Olson is a guy that's been uh, talked about with the Yankees a lot where all of a sudden now you have to make big team decisions and spend all this money, not really knowing for sure what the status of some of your own players is. Right. And there was a, a Boone presser had to have been last month in December and a reporter asked if Boone could address how Hicks did in the Dominican winter league and the numbers that he put up and how he's dealing with, you know, the, the wrist injury now uh, several, several months later. And uh, Boone was like, yeah, I can't, I can't comment on that. Um, so I'm assuming that, you know, he probably checked in on, on Hicks's numbers, maybe watched a couple games. I, I guess that's allowed, but in terms of directly communicating with the player, I think that that's off limits and you just don't know if the wrist is holding up for him or how LeMahieu was doing after his surgery and, and those types of things. Tyone, again, a lot of players deal with things and don't get it done until after the season, maybe stuff that isn't even publicized as much at this point in the year, or it, it would have been normally, but it's not now. You're because, not getting a press release for it anymore. Right, exactly. So, you know, you have to hope that both sides take care of business. And, and when you reconvene and there is that mad dash, like you said, that everybody's doing well, but the clock's going to start ticking as soon as this lockout does inevitably end. And for a team like the Yankees with all the moves that they can, should, will make, uh, every player's status is very important because I don't think there are that many players that their roles are completely certain heading into this next season. Like, I think that there could be some surprises. They could enter the season with a very, you know, normal roster with what we've seen the last few years, but there could be a lot of other moves depending on how the market progresses. Yeah. I mean, every year um, I was telling James this, um, I tend to go down to spring training. One year I was able to like meet and talk with Clint Flake. Clint Frazier, my goodness. And my that was incredible. It was just so much fun to have that experience to go down, to be able to see the players like real close up, to see them kind of in that atmosphere where it's a practice, but it's also the warm up for the season. And this year, we always plan our trip around spring training games and who knows what's going to happen. So we're kind of in that limbo, as I'm sure everyone is, you know, I'm sure it's worse for the players. But as a fan, you know, sitting here, waiting for the season, waiting for things to happen. It's just, it's torture. So I'm sure as a player, it's probably 10, 12 times worse. Right. And something I worry about, you know, our generation, we're obviously diehard baseball fans interested in baseball, in the media and all that stuff. Um, I worry about the repercussions that this period is going to have if it continues to extend and maybe this ends up being a shortened season you know, that pass an article on ESPN, of, of, I think a couple of weeks ago, it's like, you know, irreparable damage is being done in terms of the future of America's pastime. Not to get too dark here on the pod, but I, I really do worry because football is not going away. Basketball is in full swing right now. And the more time where baseball is not in the news and, you know, I'm struggling to think of things to write about. There oh, aren't yeah. that many new articles coming out unless you do have access to, to players and you're getting that inside scoop. It's just baseball is not, it's not being talked about at all. And normally right now is a huge time with, with the hot stove and, and players moving to different teams. And you're learning more about players that you want to root for as a fan. 
that's not going on at all right now. And the uncertainty, like you said, I mean, I don't have my plans settled for spring training because I don't know when it's going to start and when, where it's going to be and if anything's going to be different. So that uncertainty is, is very frightening as a person that is quite invested with the future of this sport. I, I hope and think everything will be okay, but it's hard not to be concerned if you're, you know, paranoid like me. So it's, it's borderline infuriating the way major league baseball has just been jumping rope with the goodwill of fans. So, I mean, you, you feel like you're on a little bit of an upswing when guys like Ronald Acuna jr. And Fernando Tatis come into the game. And then, you know, the, the COVID-19 season where, you know, fans are just begging, like, can you just try to get in as many games as you can? We don't care about, you know, the, if there are no fans in the stands, we don't care about any of that. We just want to at least watch baseball and you have this great opportunity to be the only sport on television uh, and, you know, it's kind of getting squashed because the owners have 60 games circled as this is when we'll start making money again and we won't lose money this season. So you lose that good faith. And then in 2021, you got Shohei Otani just putting baseball, you know, back on the map. And now we're in a lockout. And it just it feels like every time we get on that upswing where there's something for fans to get excited about it's the MLG's, MLB just pulls the rug out from under us. Well, you know, I, I guess if, when it. Oh, oh no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think that if everything starts on time, that there is the, the star power in this league yep. to, to get things to start cooking again and, and have people talk about the sport, but you got to start things back up soon. Um, yeah, that, that was all I was going to say. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was on the more sarcastic side and be like, I mean, do you realize that as soon as the New York Mets decide to make some giant moves and bolster their roster, baseball shuts down? Like, is this a coincidence? What's going on? It's just Mets being the Mets. I don't really know. You got to blame somebody, right? So it's always the Mets, always the Mets. But no, I mean, it. I certainly hope that things things move quickly once they start, you know, coming back up because. This offseason was so exciting that week before the lockout, you know, having all these different, I felt like there was a new notification every 20 minutes and they're like, this person signed, this person was traded, you know, Clint Frazier signed with the Cubs, which I was super excited for. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. And I think MLB basically stated, they're like, well, that last week was for the fans. And I'm like, well, let's keep doing that. That was, that was fun. I enjoyed that. And even people that weren't invested in baseball in my life were like, oh, I think I heard about this guy. Didn't he sign with the Mets? Absolutely. You know, so people getting interested in it when there's actually a flurry of action. So fingers crossed. It was so exciting before the lockout. And as soon as it gets back and gets rolling, I'm just ready to go. So Max, do you have any, let's say not insight, but what would your game plan be for the Yankees lockout ends tomorrow? Who are you looking at? What's, what's the plan going forward? Oh man. I mean, there's a lot to do. I think that honestly, I think that this is a borderline fourth place team right now with the way that this division is uh, if everybody, uh, you know, eclipses their potential in 2022 with this current roster. It's definitely a team that could make the playoffs and do some damage, but there are holes that need to be filled, obviously shortstop primarily. I'm not, you know, I've, I've gone on a couple of different podcasts this winter. I changed my opinion on what they should do at shortstop quite a bit. And obviously there hasn't been new stuff coming out lately. So I've, I've stuck with this, this current take on it for a while. I'm not sure that they're going to, sign somebody like Carlos Gray and spend that much money when you have two top prospects at the position that are so 
loved within the organization. Everyone that talks about uh, Volpe specifically, but also Peraza, I mean, they're they're the future. It certainly seems like it. And and the numbers they're putting up in the minors uh, is, is a testament to that highly touted evaluation. So, you know, I don't know if I would sign Correa if I was in their shoes, but also you have to figure that they have the money for it. And when that is your biggest need as the biggest glaring hole on your current roster in terms of wanting to contend for a world series title right now, he is the best player available. And since you didn't make any moves before the lockout, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of just going back and forth there. Uh, I, I don't think again, that they'll sign Correa. I'm not sure if story's the answer either because of his arm injury, potentially maybe he doesn't stick at shortstop. And then does he have the arm strength to, to finish his career at third? Are you signing someone that might need to miss time because of an elbow injury? So, you know, I hate to say it because I know that Yankees fans won't be happy about it, but I do think that they'll go with some sort of stopgap option, maybe make a deal to acquire someone that would be a, a short-term uh, fill-in option at the position because they do have these guys coming up that could be ready or could be ready even sooner than we think. Uh, but other than that, you, you can try to upgrade it first. There are some options there. A center fielder wouldn't be the worst thing, although they do have a, a Joey Gallo who might be versatile enough to play there. And you can't have enough pitching, although really the offense was the the ultimate weakness of this team this past year. I think that the pitching was very underrated. The bullpen is is incredibly solid and a lot of really great breakout candidates for this next season as well. But if Tyone is healthy when the season starts and Severino ends up kind of retaking that form that we've seen in the past, they have a really formidable rotation, but it wouldn't hurt to add another, you know, number three starter. And there are a couple options there too. So I'm rambling, but there are a lot of different options for them uh, depending on how the, the CBA looks and what the cap space is that they have. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll definitely go from there. I think that they'll be very active. It's just maybe not signing the, the most top tier guys or trading for the most top tier guys. I'm not sure yet. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and save your Twitter DMS and just let you know ahead of time. We're not going to use that for the clip. We're not going to use that for the video on social media where you say, you don't know if the Yankees are going to get Carlos Correa. We're going to save your DMS from that. But I know Volpe got a lot of love this week where he was being thrown up there with CJ Abrams as potentially the number one overall prospect on the entire list. Yeah. Uh, it used to be Jason Dominguez, right. That everyone was talking about, but this is a guy that's even closer to making his debut, uh, a local to a certain extent. And at such a premier position that the Yankees haven't had their guy since Jeter, at, mm -hmm. at least not someone that's young through the organization. I mean, Glaber was to a certain extent, but he didn't exactly pan out and he wasn't born and bred through the Yankees organization. So, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are going to be rooting for him and maybe you call him up or call Peraza up a little before you normally would just because of the roster construction that you have and you give it a shot. And if they work out, then great. And if not, Maybe you're not ready to contend for a World Series yet either way. But that's the thing with a, with a team like the Yankees, you can't really afford to go on a, a, a two, three-year, not a rebuild, but a, a just a path to success when you're in such a big market and you have so much money at your disposal. And you've been on a World Series drought for so long where you want to get back to the mountaintop. And you only have a couple more years of the prime numbers from a Garrett Cole and a, an Aaron judge, if you bring him back, which you should John Carlos Stanton, all those guys. So 
the baby bombers stuff is a, is a thing of the past, but there, there are decisions that need to be made soon in order to really get the most out of that core is what I'm saying. Yeah. They're definitely not babies anymore. (laughs) We actually were talking about that last week um, together. And, you know, obviously you mentioned that the Yankees right now tend to be kind of like a borderline fourth place team. I mean, you also have to mention the Yankees are probably in the toughest division. I mean, the AL East is strong got the Red Sox, you've got the Rays who are always good. You've got the Blue Jays who, like James had said last week, were pretty much better than the Yankees last year. And it really seems to come down to, they have a lot of young talent and it almost feels like the Yankees are kind of that old team right now. Um, So maybe calling up people from the prospect system would be a good way to kind of kick things off. But just in your opinion, I don't, I'm not as familiar with the, the system, the farm system, but like are there any like more hot prospects? Is it just the top two? Is there anyone that's even kind of like on the waiting list that could be really good in the majors? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone has their bias to the team that they root for or that they cover. But I do think that the more that I've looked into the prospect system and I don't have as much time as I'd love to, to, to watch games and watch film and and read up on these guys. But I do think that there is a lot of potential within the system. And when you then think of the players that they could trade for at the big league level and blockbuster stuff that might not end up happening, but you even think of that as a possibility because of how strong the farm system is and how many different players are not expendable because these are human beings, but expendable in the sense that you have so many strong players at different positions that you could dangle somebody in a trade and not feel it as much. Um, but, you know, I tweeted a couple days ago, the, I think it was the top 15 prospects in the Yankees system in like 2013. And you look back and Gary Sanchez was the only one that's like sort of panned out from that group. I don't think that this current top prospect pool for the Yankees is going to turn out like that. I think that the organization has developed quite a bit in terms of their internal talent since then. Um, I realize now that I haven't listed anybody necessarily, but look, I mean, a, with another full year, normal year after losing the minor league season a couple of years ago, I think that a lot of names are going to make some noise um, beyond just the the Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez, and and more. Um, so yeah, you gotta you gotta pay attention to Somerset and and the Tampa Tarpons for other reasons as well, obviously, but. Uh, there's there's a lot of talent within the organization for sure. Yes. Now that you mentioned that this was the next topic of conversation, our girl Rachel getting the big job, manager of the Tampa Tarpons. We love her. We interviewed her, uh, I guess, almost two years ago right now, Allison. Almost two years. Yeah, I and guess we, so. It was kind we of just like right in away. the beginning. Yeah, yeah, we just right in the beginning of the pandemic. We just came away with that impression. Like this is a human being who can do literally anything she wants. She's just unbelievably motivated to the point where she doesn't even own a television, which I think is a crazy thing. Uh, but I mean, unbelievable hire. And, and I even had her circled for that open assistant hitting coach spot on the major league roster now, uh, just cause I know she is unbelievably smart and would, would have done such a good job in that role. But now as the manager of her own team, making history yet again, it's an exciting time. Yeah. I think that, I think that she's, her resume is pretty unreal. I mean, I've been obviously, 
reading up on her and learning more about her because I haven't had a chance to speak with her yet since I've been on the beat. Um, she's officially being announced tomorrow. So we'll, we'll hear even more from her uh, in that press conference. But yeah, if anybody's on a path to potentially be the first female manager in major league history, I think it's her. And I think that you can't rule that out. And that's pretty exciting. Uh, I think that the Yankees have, been trailblazers in the sense that they don't have as many coaches on their big league staff that have playing experience with the, the Matt Blakes and all the new guys that they brought in this off season, uh, making those changes. And it's a, it's a modern look at the sport, but there's no reason why someone like uh, Rachel can't, you know, get to that position someday. And, and like you said, I, I kind of was considering, you know, if, if I were in Brian Cashman's shoes or with, in Aaron Boone's shoes, would I hire Rachel as the new assistant hitting coach? And, you know, she has that experience and she's been working her way up. I think that eventually she will be on a big league staff. It's just a matter of when and where at this point. And a she, very um, good relationship with Dylan Lawson too. Right. Yeah. She was uh, incredible uh, when we were, we got a chance to speak with her and honestly carried herself so well. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me is, and I'm sure you've probably heard this before, but you know, she changed her name to Ray on her resumes to get people to look at them. And I was like telling my boyfriend that last night and he was just kind of in awe. And I'm like, yeah, this is a pretty incredible woman. So super excited to see that play out this season. And she changed her name and all of a sudden her phone's ringing off the hook. Like, yes, we would like to hire you. Yeah. I guess that's a testament to, to where things are in the industry, but things are changing. Uh, it's just, just a matter of time. Like I said, yeah. Uh, and just, you know, to wrap up, we don't want to take up the the rest of your night, because, you know, big off season, big meeting tomorrow for the Rachel's press conference. Uh, we don't want to burn the rest of your night. We have to get final thoughts on Allison's guy, Brett Gardner. Do you think Brett Gardner is coming back to the Yankees next year? Oh man. Uh, I, I think it's a good idea to be completely honest. I don't know if that's a, a, a bold take, but I really do think he would be a valuable member of the bench. And even if his numbers weren't great this past year, I think he showed just how durable he still is and how competent he is. He's still able to contribute. I mean, you're not bringing him back to be a, a top five center fielder in the league, right? Like he has a role at this point with his age and his experience and depending on who is the new assistant hitting coach because it used to be Chavez and all of his experience. They don't really have that older guy that was recently in the league. I, I mean, I guess Boone kind of fits that mold too, but being that Brett Gardner was the, the only remaining member of that 09 championship team, I really do think that that plays a role. And you joked earlier about the, the pranks and stuff that he had with Clint Frazier from, from my experience being on the field and, and seeing these guys act it just seems like everybody loves him and he, he adds that not only the positivity and, and fun to a group that I, I kind of question the chemistry these past couple of years and they haven't been having as much fun maybe during those, those down times these last few years. Uh, but he also brings the, the leadership and the experience that you're getting from, from judge and Stanton and Cole, like I mentioned before. Um, so, you know, if, if the price is right and, I don't know what they're going to do in the outfield. It, it seems like 
Hicks will have a, a significant role out there and they have Gallo at their disposal now too. But if you could bring him back and be your, your fifth outfielder, last guy off the bench, and he won't start as much as he did this past year, which maybe wasn't initially the plan, but he ended up playing quite a bit. Uh, I, I think that he would be a, a, a valuable asset on this team. I just, I can't see him playing elsewhere, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if he would take a one-year deal somewhere else. If the Yankees don't sign him, I think he wants to spend his time with his kids and, and take the next step. So, but I, I do think that he has what it takes to still play and, and contribute if he does come back. Yeah. That's, this is what we always say about Brett Gardner. We've been saying he's the fifth outfielder since like 2018 and he just, someone always gets injured and Brett Gardner always ends up playing like 130 games. Right. What did he, he played a lot of games this past year, like top five on the team. I want to say, right. Yeah. I'm going to double check it now just because it's like, it's every year though. Every year we're saying, well, it's, it's finally Clint Frazier's year. And I I feel, you know, I'm happy that Clint Frazier is going to go to Chicago and, and maybe finally get an opportunity to, you know, put the concussion stuff past him and maybe there's not as much pressure for the Cubs. Cause you know, you kind of have an expectation that there's going to be a little bit of, of rebuilding going on there. So there's not as much of the, the Yankee pressure. Uh, yeah. So he, the last time he played less than 140 games, Brett Gardner was in 2012, not including the pandemic shortened season, which he played 49 out of 60. Right. And I'll also add that the Yankees are not fast at all. No, right and I don't, I don't consider Gardner a speed demon at this point. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you let Tyler Wade go and you're not going to bring you guys in, and maybe they'll call some players up over the course of the year that have speed in the farm system. I, I mean, it, he's the closest thing they have to like a, a, a pinch runner speedy guy that you can put in later in a game. So I, I don't know if that's the role that he would necessarily fill if they brought him back. I mean, he's not as as young as Greg Allen anymore but he has that skill set to a certain extent at least compared to the rest of the roster so I also thought that letting Tyler Wade go was a mistake I know that the fan base isn't really supportive of him usually but I think that he also showed uh, how valuable he is with with the way he can play different positions and come off the bench and his numbers there were a couple stretches over the summer where he was he was pretty solid when he had playing time so yeah, we've always loved Tyler Wade for what he is, which is a good defender with a lot of speed on the bases. And the, where you run into problems with Tyler Wade is when you're saying, okay, like, can you hit 300? Can you just, it's just, it's not Tyler Wade. It's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. Maybe now that he can grow a beard out in California, he'll get some of that, you know, minor league confidence back and he'll be the Tyler Wade of old now that he yeah. doesn't have to shave every day. Him and him and Phil Nevin and Mike Trout, they're going to, you know, set the league on fire. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, just take a few hitting tips from Shohei Otani, hit 40 exactly. bombs, no problem. I, depending on how much he plays, uh, he might he might prove some haters wrong. Um, but we'll see. I hope so. He he deserves it after some of the pranks that, that Brett Gardner pulled on him. He deserves to, to yeah. get a lot of playing time and, and prove some people wrong. And I don't know if, if you've heard of this one, Alice, the, the car one. You want to tell that one? Oh, I love the car one. Um we read this in an article somewhere. It was on a podcast or something, but um, apparently Brett Gardner took Tyler Wade's keys and 
brought his car somewhere else and came back with a rental car and like <laughs> just so Tyler Wade's looking for his car he's like where's dude where's my car he's like oh it's right there you know and it's just this rental car and he's like no seriously where did you put my car so nobody knows where the car actually went I'm sure he got it back and everything was good but like you hear the pranks about the hot sauce on the sneakers and then you hear a prank like that and you're kind of like oh my gosh this guy might be diabolical so Fun for everyone else, probably not so fun for Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade. And, you know, I guess the other thing too about Brett Gardner is if he does come back, Max, I need you to promise me something. At some point, you have to find out if Brett Gardner does yoga because I'm convinced (laughs) the only way he stays so durable and healthy all the time is because he must do yoga. I'm convinced There's, there's no other explanation. I mean- the strength and conditioning team is the same for everyone. So right. what's he doing different where he's not getting hurt and everyone else is straining their obliques and their hamstrings and everything. I mean, uh, judge and, and Stan do yoga, don't they? So not well enough, I guess. <laughs> well, it got better this past year. <laughs> That's uh, true. They were both very, very healthy this year. Yes. Know, they some, did well someone, year. someone gave Gardner the, the super serum, I guess. And he's just invincible at this point. Um, <laughs> No, but I, I mean, mean you tell those stories and I think back to like the, the 2019 nationals and this Braves team that just won a title, like chemistry and teams having fun off, off the field and between the lines too. I mean, that's, it really does matter. And I don't know if maybe that's one of the different things that could tip this Yankees team over the, the block that they've faced these last couple of years with this core group. I'm not sure if that's the only thing they need to do. Cause like I said, there are holes on this roster, but you know, you bring a guy like Gardner back, you compliment with a lot of proven talent. You bring up some young guys and you make a couple moves and, and then they're, they're starting to roll, but it is such a tough division. I just, I'm not sure, but it's going to be yeah. nerve wracking all year. It and is. that's we're we're big fans of analytics. We're very pro analytics. Uh, but I, I think we have a pretty fair, understanding that it, analytics aren't the end-all be-all and and I think that's something you saw with the Padres especially this year I watch a lot of Padres games too is that you know they were having fun they were bat flipping they were doing the swag chain and they were keeping pace with the Dodgers through most of the season and then all of a sudden the trade deadline comes and and they try to trade Eric Hosmer and the chemistry falls off a cliff and all of a sudden you find yourself the San Diego Padres are missing the playoffs entirely they were originally predicted to be like a top five team. And that's, you know, one of the things that was missing with the Yankees this year was that we never really, it, it never felt right. It never felt right. The wins never felt that exciting. And, and the losses felt like they were all devastating. And maybe that's just part of being a fan is that every game is a hundred percent in or a hundred percent out. But it, you know, in the past, especially in 2017, part of the reason that people loved that team so much was that, you know, they weren't expected to be that good. And that's Allison did the thumbs down. They had a thing. We, we didn't have a thing this year until Bronx see the turtle came around. Right. I mean, that's, that brings us back to one of our very first topics of discussion here. The fact that we're not in the clubhouse, we're not getting those added stories that we normally would and really getting that, you know, taking the temperature of the room and, and seeing if, if the team is jiving in the clubhouse. Cause right now we just don't, we don't know for sure. You may have a couple sources in there and be able to talk to different players and coaches, but you're not getting the full grasp of what's going on by literally being in the room. Um, so I, I, 
you know, the, the Bronxy era was fun. And, and honestly, I mean, if they won that wild card game, who knows what would happen? That's the beauty of baseball that if yep. a team catches fire at that point in the year and you have the talent to, to win and, and the pitching, you know, they could have won a world series. Sure. I mean, the, the Braves weren't supposed to win necessarily. Braves fans would have argued that they, they should have, and they, and they were going to, but that's, that's the thing entering this year. And especially if the playoffs do end up expanding, which I think is possibly going to happen with the, oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the more teams that are in there, the more opportunities for the, the wild card clubs and the less talented rosters to, to catch fire late and, and lean on that chemistry and just go on a run. And that's, again, like I said, the beauty of baseball that yeah, the bad team wins just, all the time. It's not just one game where anything could happen. I mean, you, you have to, you have to string all those wins together and have those comprehensive performances. Cause not one player is going to win you a playoff series. They'd have to go on a pretty extreme run for that to happen, but you can do that in other sports. Like, like basketball or a quarterback in football, that kind of thing. So yeah, LeBron James can take 50 shots a game, but you know, Mike Trout only gets four at bats. I think that's the exact quote that we had uh, over the summer when we, when we did the other episode. Right. Oh, did I say that? I, th- I think that's, you said almost exactly that. Okay, um, cool. That yeah, yeah, LeBron can take 50 <laughs> shots, but Mike Trout can't take 50 at bats. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It, it, it is a fact. Um, so, you know, if to, to sum everything up, Yankees make a few moves. They bring in the right individuals. They finish off this coaching staff with, with all those new faces in there. They spend their money smartly and, and play well this season because I think a lot of different contributors didn't play up to what you think that they're going to do in terms of a full season and maybe injuries played a role and the stuff going on off the field, the pandemic, all that. So it's got to be the perfect storm for any team that wins a championship. I, I do think that the Yankees can go on a run as soon as next year, but I, I don't know. I, I think that in all likelihood, there may be a couple years away, depending on how those, those top prospects that we've talked about end up contributing and, and the moves that they do make. But, you know, you, you could talk to me in a couple of weeks or, or months when the lockout ends and, and spring training starts to come around and maybe it's a completely different take on the situation. Right. But Lockout's got to end first for anything. So, yeah, well, hopefully soon. Um, all right, Allison, do you have any final thoughts? No, that's it. Um, no, I think so. I'm just, I'm excited for baseball to get back and I'm excited to see beat writers and people get back into the clubhouse. If it's a possibility, I just, it makes such a difference for us as fans and, I think for the players too. Um, so I'm super excited about that. It allows them to write their own narrative. Um, so I really like that kind of concept as well, but no, I think that's it. And thank you so much, Max. I appreciate you coming on and it's nice to meet you officially. Yeah. Good to meet you too. Thanks for having me guys. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. We'll, uh, we'll have to get you on again one day, maybe after the season, just to run back this podcast and just be like, well, how right were Max's predictions? Were they correct? Were they incorrect? Yeah. A lot of this was just off the top of my head. So, so we'll see how it goes. Um, But it should be a a very exciting year. A lot of stuff to keep an eye on. And uh, this fan base is very, very fortunate to be able to root for some of the guys on this team that I was talking to my dad today about like the players he watched when he was my age, when he, when he was so much younger. And it's like, I, I have to really not take for granted the, 
the people on this team that I'm covering right now and the future Hall of Famers, the guys that are going to be so famous someday down the road. So um, that's another exciting part of my job. And I'm very fortunate to to be in that position. Like I said, full circle, right? Always comes full circle in baseball. Uh, all right, we'll we'll wrap it up there then. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Max. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.